Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Everybody and welcome into the Graham Lincoln MacLean podcast, episode 259. And this is episode eight of our ACC under review series. We are talking Louisville Cardinals. And this was kind of an interesting episode because we did look a little more towards the future because so many mm-hmm. things have changed mm-hmm. with Louisville. I really enjoyed hanging out with Louisville's play by play guy, Paul Rogers. <laughs> he has a great personality. He told us he, he he's going to tell you like it is, and I really appreciated that from our guy Paul. I did too, KG. You know, he he was when I think of Louisville, you got to say it right. Louisville. When I think of Louisville, he's the he's the radio guy. I mean, that was it. he's flying, he's wide open, speed, 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 got to yeah. go. And uh, like you said, was very very blunt about some of his his thoughts there. But I, I appreciate that. I appreciate I when prefer people, that. yeah, when you form an opinion and you you don't give me a political answer. So it was really fun talking with Paul, voice of the cards, uh, wrapping up. I will tell people a funny little story when I hit him up uh, and, and just wanted him to come on the podcast. He was like, uh, "We're talking about basketball." I said. No, man, we do not care about <laughs> basketball. This is football only well, we on this show. Well, we do care about basketball. Uh, Kelly, yeah, half of this podcast. But honestly, if you, if you had said, yeah, I want to talk Louisville men's basketball, he may have not responded to you because he might I'm sure it's been a tough year for him talking about that and talking about an 8-1 football team. He's like, yeah, let's do that. Yeah, eight win basketball team, eight win football team. What do you want to talk about? Which team do you want to talk about? But uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. KG, of course, again, our Rock'em Socks guest, Paul Rogers, did a great job with us. Very appreciative of his time. And speaking of Rock'em Socks, guys, we're doing another great giveaway, and the Ooh. cards socks are coming. These things are hot fire. Wait till you see them. It's not only do you have the Lamar Jackson with the hater shades blocking them out shots, but you also have these socks that are like engulfed in feathers. Looks like fire, but it's actually cardinal feathers. Uh, so really cool collection. You're not going to want to miss it. We've been doing giveaways for each and every ACC school. That's our partner, Rock'em Socks. Over 10,000 unique designs. You like Marvel characters, the superhero guys, as KG like yeah, to say. Yeah, those guys. You like any pro team, NFL, NHL, MLB, NBA, all those. They've got them covered. And not to mention every collegiate team, especially right here in the ACC. They have got them covered. So KG, go get your new favorite socks mm-hmm. from old Rock'em. That's right. And I like when you say unique designs. Some people might hear that and say, oh, okay, how unique are they? But truly, if you look at each, uh, go on there and just check it out. You'll be, it'll be interesting enough just to look because every different ACC school, they have unique stuff that applies to those schools. They had Primanti Brothers socks for Pittsburgh. Like you're not (laughs) going to find that somewhere else. They have the Lamar Jackson socks, as we've said, for Louisville. So Go check those out. It's really cool. And if you don't win the giveaway, which you can enter the giveaway on Max Twitter, you just got to retweet and follow. But if you don't win, that's okay. You can use our code GML20 at checkout at rock'emsocks.com for 20% off your first order. That's GML20 for 20% off your first order at rock'emsocks.com. Find your new lucky pair of socks for game day. You're going <laughs> to, hey, get ready for game day coming up, the new Jeff Brom era at rock'emsocks.com. Come on, KG. It's without further ado, let's get to our episode here, get to our interview, our Rock'em Socks guest, Paul Rogers. Paul, 
Paul, welcome into the show. The Cards finished with eight wins, but I've got to say it was a little bit unconventional how we got here, man. I, I expected the eight wins, but maybe not quite how we all expected. Just to th- start, could you give us our, your general thoughts on, on the entire season? Funny you said that because when you first asked me to do this, I got to thinking about it and I was thinking of how the season went and how it started especially and how it ended up. And you like, well, okay, but it was a, a rocky and winding road to get there. I'm not even sure. We had a, all had a hard time really pegging what the expectations were this year. They were kind of all over the map. I think people were hoping they could make a bowl game, whether it's six and six, seven and five, uh, and then see what happens. Well, in the end, they won eight games, including a bowl game, but they got off to just a horrible start, beginning with that very first game at Syracuse. Now, Syracuse turned out to be a lot better than everybody thought they were going to be, but Louisville just mysteriously just did not show up. I mean, a season opening game, how can you come out and look like you're not interested? And that's what happened. And people were coming out of that game, just they they couldn't fathom it. And then they go to a very good Central Florida team who rarely loses at home and won there. And you think, okay, we're back on the right track. Stumble next week. And that's so it went first half of the season. You'd win and then you'd lose. then finally, they kind of kicked it in, mainly on the defensive end with really improved play and had that four-game winning streak highlighted by that crazy 35-point third-quarter explosion with six turnovers against Wake Forest. And, uh, you know, went through a really good stretch there. The winning streak ended at Clemson, but they played okay. Bounced back with a good win over NC State. Uh, then finished the season with another loss to Kentucky, which is really getting in the crawl of yeah. the Louisville fans, not just losing to your arch rival. But Mine too, by the way. It's in my crawl too. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, they haven't been competitive in the last three years against oh. Kentucky, and that's what really has people distressed. But they bounced back out of that and won the the most unusual bowl game ever. First off, you're playing football in a baseball stadium. Secondly, your coach is left to go to the coach to go coach the team you're playing. So it was kind of, I guess, the the – Perfect cherry on top of what was a crazy season to beat a soon-to-be-coached-by-Scott-Satterfield Cincinnati team in a game that was a lot of fun, actually. Uh, just the, If you're not going to be in a BCS Bowl, then go someplace different or unique or fun. And, and to go to Fenway Park and play a game was kind of neat. I think that was summed up very well, Paul. It was probably <laughs> one of the weirdest seasons yeah. of the college football year when you look at just ending up with eight wins, but just odd all over the place. And I think a lot of that had to do with Malik Cunningham and his injuries and just not living up to what we thought. We had, I believe, it was was it Greg McElroy, Mac, who came on Greg, with us yeah. in the offseason and had Malik Cunningham in the Heisman conversation. I mean, this guy, yeah. he had the talent. So, you know, in addition to those injuries, what else do you think really happened with Malik this past season? I think, uh, first and foremost, again, I think the injuries were the key element. Yeah. Uh, Malik, who's not able to really run is not Malik. I mean, he can throw the ball, uh, maybe a little bit erratic, but he can throw it okay. But what makes him different is his running ability. He's a very dynamic runner, a very elusive runner, and one that's hard to pin down. So when you're when you're battling these injuries, and they weren't necessarily his legs, it was kind of everything. I don't even know what all they had. I think he hurt his wrist at one time, his ankle at one time. And then probably the biggest uh, issue non-injury-wise was Louisville did not have a go-to uh, over-the-top receiver like a Tutu Atwell or a Tyler Harrell. Um, uh, Tyler Hudson was terrific and had a great year, but he did not have your breakaway speed, and and he did not have that element. Uh, when Satterfield first came here, there was the talk about how his offense was so running-oriented, as, and it was, 
But what that run emphasis did was open up those big plays. I mean, his first two years here, they had an extraordinary number of big plays. And I don't mean 40-yard big plays. I mean 70, 80, 90-yard big plays. And you can get that with Tutu Atwell and Tyler Harrell and that kind of thing. So Malik didn't have that. Um, and he just never really seemed to get settled in with the injury thing. You know, he'd play a little bit, then he'd be out a little bit. So uh, unfortunately, I mean, he still ran for over 500 yards and 12 touchdowns, which by most quarterback standards is, is pretty high but not what he had been doing. And then he threw for, what, 1,500 or so, I think. Right. Um, so it, it just it never quite going this year. For, got, got quite going this year for Malik. Yeah, and, and Paul, I think that's exactly what you said. That's what I have written down here next is I think what, what had so much to do with that with Malik was the lack of consistency, the lack of longevity. He's having to you know build relationships with new guys, young guys, figure it out quickly, and they just couldn't really get on the same page. That explosive piece, though, that you talk about, was so much uh, of what Louisville did and, and being able to go over the top. Okay, you're going to run two high safeties. We're going to run it all day long. Now you switch, you bring one down. Here we go over the top. So that just, it just almost handicapped what Louisville wanted to do offensively. How do you see that changing, I guess, this coming season? Well, uh, Jeff Brom, which, by the way, is the most popular hire we've had for <laughs> years. We'll years. dive into him some, too. We'll the, dive into the him fan, some. The fan base is ecstatic. But we all know he like loves to throw the football. In fact, his introductory press conference, he got a laugh, and he said, I know you got to run the ball occasionally, begrudgingly <laughs> admitting. Uh, but he'll, he'll run it. But he's got a very creative mindset, um, offensive design, uh, he'll bring in, I'm sure, more receivers. He's already brought in a quarterback who played for him. They went out to Cal, and now he's coming to Louisville. So I, I just think you're going to see a much more wide-open, imaginative offense. He, he's a fan of trick plays. He's always trying to dial up something. So uh, that that's among the reasons people are really excited about him. And obviously, being, you, don't, you don't just hire uh, Jeff Brom. You hire the whole family. I mean, the Brom family is a Louisville institution, and it's it's great having them back and 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 – not just because of the people they are, that's a huge part of it, but because of the, the football people they are and, and the football coach he is. He talked about, you know, I don't, I don't really have hobbies. And they said, mm, I do like football. <laughs> that's kind of Jeff Barral. Yeah, that, that's what you want in your college football coach. You really don't want him to have any hobbies because he can't because he's got to recruit 24-7 and, sure. and just be, you know, in it as much as possible. You mentioned the run game, and we had Scott Satterfield on before the year. He was very, very excited about the running back room. He was talking five deep. He was super pumped. Injuries, again, plagued this group. You did have some guys emerge towards the end, especially in that bowl game. So Mm -hmm. what was your overall evaluation of the running back room? I I learned once again that you can never have too many running backs. I mean, we all thought they were loaded at running back. I mean, they truly were about five deep, and they wound up with two there at the end of the year. Uh, Maybe the best one was actually um, uh, uh, Tyon Evans, the transfer Mm -hmm. from Tennessee. But he had injury issues all the time. The, the few games he was healthy, he looked like a guy who could really be pretty special. Mm-hmm. But when he couldn't go, you wound up with Travian Cooley and Jawar Jordan, both really playing well, putting up some good games. Um, but they, but neither one of those was a, a 30 carry a back game. Uh, they didn't have somebody you could rely on just pound, pound, pound. They they needed bodies, and, and they frankly were, were pretty much out of bodies. So they didn't run it. They ran it okay, and especially, as you said, the Cincinnati game. But uh, overall, they, you know, with, with the lack of a breakaway passing attack, you couldn't just rely on pounding it on the ground all the time. So they had a, had a tough time with it. Yeah, and, and I think you know it, it's so fascinating because this episode in particular, 
we're, we're looking back at the at 22, but also we're we're so forward thinking because there's so much that that is changing and and different. And, and another kind of big room with that is going to be this offensive line. And you know, th- these guys have been the 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 pillar of consistency for a handful of years. You're losing some guys, and and again, injuries moving around this year, and it just seems like that's the name of the game for Louisville at a bunch of different positions. What do you anticipate that room looking like in 23? The offensive line room? Yes, sir. I just I, I honestly don't know, to be honest with you. I, <laughs> with the way things change right. with the transfer portal and, and guys coming in and guys going out, but they're, they're obviously losing some long-time really reliable guys. Um I think Brian Hudson played essentially every single snap of the season. I think they've said he played every snap. I have to believe there might have been one of those blowouts, not that we had that many, but but one of those games where he finally got a little bit of rest. But to my recollection, he was always out there. Uh, you know, Caleb Chandler, guys like that who have been around and been so stable. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what they wind up with. I, I'm sure, you know, Jeff's going to want guys who can protect, but again, I, I go back to uh, Jeff, of course, played here under Howard Snellenberger and one of Coach Snellenberger's uh, ways of scheming when he was first coming here trying to build things. So he said, when you got a great passing attack, you don't have to win the line of scrimmage that's like right. you do with our running game. you just got to hold your own with the that's line right. of scrimmage. And that's right. what he was he was trying for. And I, I think that maybe that'll be the philosophy Jeff takes on at, at first, at least until he finds out exactly what he's got up front there. Sure. And, and I know just with scheme change, with thought process change, that there, there's there's different body types that fit what you want to do. And, and I'm interested, you, you know, Paul, your thoughts on this. And, you know, the quarterback situation in particular, obviously a massive recruit coming in that, that is going to want to play, a transfer portal guy who has been with Brom there. And, and, you know, you have a couple of guys that have been at Louisville for, for a year or maybe a little bit more. How do you anticipate or, or, or just how do you think that, plays out. I know it's competition. I know best man's going to win all this and that, but you know, just things that, that maybe you've heard or seen, if you could project for us, what, what does that look like to you? Well, Pierce Clarkson is a top flight uh, quarterback yeah. uh, recruited and wanted by many. Uh, I don't know if he's right at that super elite status. He'd be a freshman to come in and make a huge impact right off the bat. He, he may need a year to sit behind someone. You'd like to play him some, uh, I remember Jeff's freshman year. I think Howard brought him in for the beginning of the second quarter uh, every game. So so Pierce is a guy that's going to fight for the job. I don't really know if he can win it when you've got the veteran coming in from, from Cal mm-hmm. that, that played uh, with Jeff at Purdue. And then you've got, uh, I guess, the third guy on that list now would be Brock Dolman, who wound up being the main guy behind Malik Cunningham this <laughs> right. year. Brock was a guy, he used to tickle me. He just had this mentality he was kind of insulted if you called him a backup quarterback because <laughs> he called himself QB1. And Go ahead. What he meant by that was, you know, I'm a quarterback. And as far as I'm concerned, when you put me in the game, I'm going to play the game. I'm, I'm not of the, of the mentality that, uh, gosh, I hope I get a chance to get out there and play. When he gets a chance, he does. And he, he played really well in some tough circumstances yeah. several times. So, But I still think he would be thorough on that list like he's always going to be. And I'll insult him again when I, when I say that, I, I guess. But – uh, I, I think that's where it shakes out with those three. And, and again, I think, you know, Jeff may get one or two more. Our quarterbacks are like running backs. You can really never have too many. Exactly. Especially first year when you're trying to kind of figure out what you're all about. That I, I love that story about Doman there. Yeah, I'm QB1. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, let's look at the defensive side of the ball. The defense was really the bright spot of this team and the most consistent. When you look at how they got after the passer, it was just special. And uh, where would you say, and we had Keytrell Clark on, he was great. We learned he was yeah. a cat guy. That was really funny. <laughs> that was where, shocking to be, actually, to, to be truthful. His cat crash the interview. 
Where would you say was the biggest piece of improvement for this defense this year? Ooh, I, it really was to a large degree everywhere, but it, it starts up front. <laughs> they were able to get pressure on the quarterback. Uh, I'm not sure if they finished up number one in the country in sacks or not, but they I know they were there. close. Uh, tackles for loss. Uh, Diaby and Abdul were yeah. fantastic. Uh, then you had solid play on the back end. But uh, I, I would say it started up front with the pressure they got on the quarterback and their ability to, for the most part, uh, contain run games. They didn't get gouged that much through the run game, and, and they came up with, what, 15 interceptions, I think, yeah. a total of interceptions. And so it all that, that's really the first time that the defense really got people excited. And it's, it's funny, Louisville, is, I think, is known for when they had when, when Howard Snellberg was here, when Bobby Petrino was here and some others, people like that high-scoring offense. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you, nothing gets this crowd really rolling like a big defensive play and a That's big right. defensive stand. And one, like the, the Wake Forest game, when he had turnover, 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 and the police is just delirious. <laughs> I mean, that really gets them going. This is the first year in quite a while we've seen that. Yeah, they, they did end up leading the country in sacks. I mean, the, the turnaround from that, just production-wise, was – Crazy. I mean, to see that. And it was a bunch of older guys that came together and, you know, they, they get the record that they did to start the season. They're like, this is enough. And we talked to Keytrell about that. And he said we had a players only meeting and uh, we, we were real with guys and seeing this is what you're not doing. This is what you have to do. And the defense was such a big part of that turnaround. And, and as you've mentioned a couple of times, I've been waiting uh, to talk about this. That Wake Forest game, I got to call that game. And it was the craziest game I've ever called. Uh, You you certainly have called more games than I have. Have you ever seen anything close to that? No. I mean, six turnovers in one quarter. Uh, And, and, you know, uh, Zach Hartman generally is a quarterback who doesn't turn the ball. Right, at all. He was throwing interceptions. He was fumbling. I mean, it was all going. And I remember just kind of thinking, another one. (laughs) You know, it, it just kept escalating. And it was really dumbfounding to watch that happen. That's and, and while that's certainly an extreme, Louisville kind of built themselves on the turnover game, which has sure. been really against them in recent years. This year they had big turnover margins throughout, especially in that game, and they really thrived on that. And that was, as you said, that was uh, that was probably the wackiest quarter of football I've ever seen. Hey, nuts. What is there one that was more memorable? One turnover or, or uh, sack fumble? Anything where you're just there's so many. Oh my gosh, from. this is crazy. Yeah, there is. There is. It's all kind of a blur, really. <laughs> I remember a couple of times. Uh, I think he had. I know one, maybe two that were debatable whether he was whether his arm was going forward or not. And at first, I was kind of, well, no, that's, you know, he was throwing it. And then I saw the replay, and I, ooh, I don't know. And I, sure enough, they did roll a fumble. And I remember those just kind of everything went Louisville's way during that stretch. Yeah, I, I vaguely remember um, at halftime, there, w- there was like a, I think it was a sack fumble that they then reversed and said he was down, but it was. Like, it was, it was a fumble. <laughs> and I remember the interview at halftime, and Scott was pissed. And he just said, <laughs> We're going to take care of this. And then the third fourth quarter, they erupt. And it was just like, okay, ball don't lie. Yeah. And, uh, man, KG, it was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Interesting you said Scott was pissed because he <laughs> – I, I, I loved him. He was a great guy to work with, and, and I think a very solid football coach. But the fans never totally bought in to Coach Satterfield. Sure. And it's hard for me to pinpoint why, but what you would often hear was – People didn't feel he showed the passion. He didn't get upset enough. Sure. And uh, believe me, he did. But, you know, people have different ways of showing it. And, but he was not a guy that would fly off the handle. But sure. on the occasions when he did, that's what people, that's what I want to see. 
That's my coach. That's my yeah. coach right there. That's yeah. really interesting because I, I've heard multiple people say that, that the Louisville fan base never truly bought into Satterfield. And maybe they thought he wasn't ever truly bought in when you, obviously the South Carolina stuff that happened mm-hmm. um, a couple off seasons ago. People never got over that. No. no. And right. you never want to feel like you are the second choice. You never want to feel like that. And so that's probably part of it, but you're right. I think maybe he's just not that kind of guy that going to mm-hmm. go rip a referee's head off, but I don't know, maybe it would have helped. And, you know, it's it's funny, in a, in a weird sense, it's unfortunate he had such a good first year. Yeah. When he came That's here. Expectation was just so high. It, it, yeah. This, his first year here, it was just in shambles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people were hoping for anything. Well, they went eight and five. <laughs> so people thought, oh, man, here we go. Well, the next year was COVID, which mm-hmm. threw everybody for a loop. Yeah. I know some teams wound up having good years, but even teams that had good years talked about how hard it was. Sure. So, so that was a big step back. Then the next year, they were in so many games and just couldn't close them out. Mm-hmm. And they're quarter other, too. I mean, like winning games or right yeah. there and just couldn't close. They they had three games where they won or lost on a made or missed field goal at the end of the game. Wow! And then they had that Clemson game where they had a first and goal yes. to two and couldn't punch it in. Yeah. Up by like so, fourteen, by the way, going into the fourth. It's crazy, yeah, right? So, like, you know. One school of thought is, man, we're right there. Where it doesn't take much, we can get there. But then other people were thinking, I've been seeing this too much. We mm-hmm. can't close out the games. We're not doing the right things. He doesn't call the right play. He runs it too much. All those kinds of things. And then this year, you know, it was kind of going, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no. <laughs> uh, but then, then, then he finished up. You know, people who didn't like him when they ended up that good, they say, well, I kind of can't fire him now. Yeah. And uh, you always get that. That part of the fan base. Well, they didn't have to. <laughs> so we had the most bizarre ending of all when he opted Okay, let's talk about that ending. Again, this is the weirdest college football season ever when you look at Louisville. So wh- what was your reaction? Because, again, you said you, you knew – obviously you knew Scott well. You liked him. He announces he's going to Cincinnati. You realize they're going to play each other in the bowl game. What was the vibe around the program and around some of the players during all that? Personally, I was stunned. I had no idea that it was coming. Um, and I'm trying to remember the timing of it. I believe they announced it. was the next day, Paul. Yes, it was the next was. day. <laughs> in fact, I, I do uh, uh, every Monday morning, I go into the station that carries our games and just do an hour with the guys kind of, you know, this week. Yeah, and I have to talk in, about. <laughs> I got in my car to go there to talk about, oh, you know, going to a bowl game, things worked out well. And they're talking about Satterfield. And I was like, huh, what are they talking about? And it just happened. He had just taken the Cincinnati job. So uh, that was very bizarre. And and I don't know, to be honest with you, exactly what – I think he wanted an extension, and I think they were reluctant to give it to him. Right. <clears throat> but I don't know exactly what the attraction was, why he liked Cincinnati, and frankly what Cincinnati liked about him. As right. I said, I like him a lot, but if sure. you look at the one-loss record, it doesn't jump out. It's like, boy, there's a guy we got to have. So I, I don't really know – what brought those two together, but they seem to be happy with it. So. <laughs> I agree. You know, I agree with that. that especially a team that just made the playoff, uh, that that's, you know, your expectation. And yeah. we'll see. We'll see how it works out. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll see how it works out. Um, fascinating, to to say the least there. Uh, you Listen, when you and I were texting back and forth, wanted to get you to jump on here, you were telling me that the, the most excitement that has been around Louisville football right now with this hire and, and how massive – it is bringing Coach Brom home. What, what, what does that do, man? What, what does it do for, for the community, for the team, for, for just all of it, bringing him home? For the first time in a long time, the fan base is, is really united 
and excited. Uh, with Satterfield, they didn't really know what they had. Um, of course, you've been through the, the bad Petrino finish. Uh, when they expanded the stadium, the new end zone section, the Adidas section appointed, I call it like what Seattle's stadium yeah. looks like. Since they have expanded that and made the capacity, whatever it is, I think it's barely under 60 or right around 60, they've never sold it out. Uh, came really close Scott's first game. We played Notre Dame uh, and, and came really close. But other than that, they've never really filled it. I think they will fill it wow. this year. Wow. Uh, people are that excited about it. A lot of people wanted Jeff to come here when Satterfield was hired. Mm-hmm. I totally understood Jeff not coming here. I think it really tugged at his heart, but he had just gotten to Purdue. He didn't. That, that's the way the Brahms are. He wasn't going to. They gave him this opportunity, and he wasn't going to say, thanks, see you later. Yeah. He was going to see it through. And I said at the time, I said, you know, five, six, seven, eight years from now, if this job comes open again, I, I think Jeff would then take a serious look at it again. And I had no idea that would happen, but it did. <laughs> And when it did, it didn't take long. I mean, it was less than a week when he was in here uh, as the new coach. So he seems excited to be here. His family wanted to come back here. Uh, his parents still lived here, but they were burning up I-65 every week. Somebody said the, the tailgating is now going to be like a, a Catholic picnic every week. That's just <laughs> what it is. It's like everybody's friends with the Brahms. That's right. So it's it's going to be spectacular from – from the personality standpoint, and hopefully when we all have good reason to think uh, from a football standpoint, too. Yeah, well, let's, let's get in there, and we'll get you out of here. Last question for you, man. Just what is or what are reasonable expectations for year one of this new era? <laughs> I think is, people, it, is it the team a mystery again, or do we kind of well, know? I think by the time, right now they're still putting pieces together, but I think by the time we get to the start of the season, things will be pretty well in place. And you know, I'm, I'm assuming – people are going to have fairly high expectations. Think, you know, we want eight, and if things fall right, you know, we want nine or ten. Sure. I mean, I, I don't know you can realistically say we're going to win the conference championship, but right now, as we all known for quite a while, you know, Clemson is still Clemson, but maybe not quite the untouchable Clemson they've been. And, and the number two spot behind that is pretty much wide open. Yeah. And uh, UNC is pretty solid now. State's been good lately. Pittsburgh's mm-hmm. been okay. I think Louisville feels like there, there's there's room there for them to move up right yeah. to that spot just below Clemson. Yeah, especially with no divisions. It's it's right. true number two, and I think a lot of people are excited about that. Well, Paul, this was a lot of fun. We appreciate your insight, man. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Big shout out to our guy Paul there. It was so much fun just talking about the different things. And as you said, KG, on the front end, a little bit forward-facing in this interview because just so much changed, so much has happened. Guys leaving, guys transferring, new coach coming in. And I don't think we can set that scene enough just to really remind people of what happened. Selection Sunday occurs. <laughs> Louisville selected to play in a bowl game, the Fenway Bowl, against Cincinnati. Awesome. Really fun matchup. The very next day, less than 12 hours later, Scott Satterfield, breaking news, goes to Cincinnati. And you're just like, Bye. What? What? These guys are playing each other and he's coaching the other team? What is going on? It's absolutely bonkers. We've talked about this so much. I, c- I just couldn't imagine being in that locker room, playing that guy, playing his team. And you saw what Louisville did. I mean, they, they went to town and, and it was kind of a physically dominating type of game. But again, appreciate Paul. Thank you so much for, for your time and, and just being be able to sit down with him and talk about the cards was a lot of fun, KG. 
Well, and I really liked reliving one of the weirdest seasons we've ever seen. And I, I mean that with love. Like you still won eight games in one of the weirdest seasons ever where Malik Cunningham basically was never healthy. So mm-hmm. that is impressive. And the defense, what the defense was able to do and step up and lead the country in sacks, Keetra Clark told it to us back when we had him on that he the defense felt like they had to do something and yep. they really did. But when you think about going to Syracuse and laying an egg, then you beat UCF, then you almost beat a really good Florida State team, and then you proceed to, you know, kind of win-loss, win-loss. Then you have the Wake Forest game, which is one of the weirdest games of all time. And of course, Mac had the pleasure of calling it. You beat <laughs> JMU, and then we all we all think you're gonna be fine against Kentucky get squashed. Like, it's just, it was such a weird season. And it. I'm wearing a Kentucky blue shirt right now, and I feel bad about it. Uh, it's kind of Carolina. I just I'd realized say it's more it. Carolina blue. It's, it's Carolina. Yeah, it's like a royal blue. But the Kentucky situation, as much as this fan base is excited about Jeff Brom, and they should be, and I'm excited about it, I think that is still a prevailing narrative of yeah. how do you perform against Kentucky? Because as Paul mentioned, not only have you lost consecutive multiple games in a row, but mm-hmm. the games haven't really been close. And I no. know that Kentucky rivalry means so much to Jeff Brom. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure there will be an even more of an emphasis placed on that rivalry too, Mac. Yeah, even in a year like where I'm guaranteeing these guys are gonna win. Like when you look at the they strengths the and team. weaknesses. Yeah, you look at the strengths and weaknesses of the team. Kentucky's offensive line played so subpar. They had injuries, they had changes, whatever, couldn't do anything, couldn't protect Will Levis, all these different things. I thought Louisville was going to go nuts and absolutely have a sack fest, tackle for loss fest. And it was the opposite. Kentucky yeah. did all those things. And, and they hadn't done it relatively it all year. It, it was so weird. So to me, I asked him about expectation. I was kind of hoping he would get to the Kentucky game. He touched on it a little bit. That's that's the thing. Like I'm going to grade next season on that game. Not just being in it, but winning it. And, and I think that you can really – Man, just get off to a great start if you get that done. I cannot stress how important that game to future success of Louisville is going to be. Yeah, definitely. And I know and that's guess what? Devin Leary is going to be their quarterback, so it's going to be tough. That's be right. The whole Devin Leary factor, that's yeah. going to be really fun. And I think what yeah. you were talking about, too, with Paul about the quarterback room, that is going to be an interesting conversation. It is. All throughout is. the – I mean, spring, too, but the summer mm-hmm. leading mm-hmm. into it, that's going to be really fascinating to see how Jeff Brom handles that. Yeah, and, and because I think what what you know, as you just mentioned, what makes it even more interesting is that everybody is starting from relative ground zero. Right. Like I know you have, you know, got some guys who are older who maybe have more experience in college. You have the young man coming from Cal who's been in Brom's system, but you also have that young Thundercat that's ready to go and and doesn't have you know, any type of, of mental whatever at the college game, I'm fascinated to see who who runs out there first. And, you know, I, I am kind of a believer in, like, taking some time with your guy, but I'm yeah. also the believer in, like, let's get going. Like, the future's now. Let, let's get him ready. And uh, if that takes some growing pain, so be it. But it's going to be a fascinating situation just to look at that piece in particular of what Louisville can do moving forward. And I like what Paul said in that I want to see a sellout. Let's see if Louisville fans can show up and support this team with Jeff Brom, their guy, a Louisville, like a a Louisville son, you know, the prodigal son returns. I do think you will see more support Mm -hmm. packing the stands. And I'm excited to see that for Louisville. Well, I think you have to. I mean, I was there again to bring this up that that Wake Forest game, a top 10 team coming to town 
and there was maybe 25,000 people. I mean, yeah, it was Mac, embarrassing. Mac was really was disappointed in that. But I think a I lot was. of that was the people, it just felt like the fan base never really bought into Satterfield. I, I just, that was prevalent the whole time. Let's do it, Louisville. Let's go. So anyway, we're excited. We're excited to see it. Excited to have Coach Brom here. Can't w- wait to speak with him in person and have him here on the show because we'll definitely do that moving forward. But that's it, guys. Thank you for listening to another great episode of Gramlick and Mac Lane. Go over to YouTube. If you're not here staring at me right now, go over to YouTube. Match this subscribe button. Really appreciate you guys following us on that and, and seeing the numbers and, and everything grow there. It's been a lot of fun. But also go over to Apple podcast rate review subscribe always great to hear from you guys but until next time we'll see y'all